I'll remind you we are going to do a fellowship dinner June the 6th, so three weeks from today, the first Tuesday in June, we will have a fellowship dinner. Our food fellowship theme will be Mexican food, so amen. I'm excited about that. I think there's one or two people in here that might know how to make some Mexican food, so I always appreciate and enjoy what you all contribute and the time of fellowship, so I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Amen. Ladies conference, don't forget that. Ladies, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, it's going to be a good time for you. So if you've been waiting and not sure, I'm going to give you one last encouragement to do your best to be there. Go and let the Lord minister to you. I believe he will, he will do that. Plus, it's always a good time of fellowship with those in the congregation and those from other congregations as well. It's going to be a good time. So I encourage you to, to make the time if you are at all able to do so. Amen. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. I'm asking you to, to bear with me tonight. I don't think I'm going to take a long time, but I feel like the Lord has some specific things he would like to help us with in his word if we will allow him to do that. And I, I don't know. My wife's always telling me you need to make qualifying statements so people know what you're saying and who you're talking about or what you're talking about. And... Well, this very first verse is about uh, as direct as it can be. He that doubteth is damned. So there's my qualifying statement. <laughs> uh, we're going to have fun tonight. If you read through this whole chapter, we've talked about verses mentioned in this chapter before. Um, but there's a few themes that the Apostle Paul addresses here to the church in Rome when he writes this book. And, and it, this, this chapter specifically, he's saying some people live this way, some people live this way. And I'm not talking about sin or not sin or, you know, right or wrong. Some people have different convictions than other people have. And they live according to them, and then it becomes an issue when you start to realize, well, I'm doing one thing one way, and I think the Lord wants me to do this, but other people are doing things other ways, and they think the Lord wants them to do that. And we're not necessarily jiving with our convictions. How is that supposed to work? Paul addresses that throughout this whole chapter here, and uh, in, in more, more chapters as well, but... This is the, the critical point. This is the last verse of this chapter. And he sums it up by saying, He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. 
that doesn't mean he's con consuming faith. You understand? Not, he's eating faith, eating in faith. He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And those are really two very strong statements in this verse. The first statement is, he that doubteth is damned. The second statement is, anything that's not of faith is sin. And he, I'm not, I'm not taking a leap to say, well, we're talking about more than just food. Or really the other example that Paul mentions in here, I, I would call it holidays or celebrating certain days. He says in there, one man esteemeth one day above all the other days, and, a, and another man esteems all the days the same. Whatsoever is not of faith, that's not just food and not just holidays or what, what one particular convi conviction you might have. Whatsoever, somebody say everything. That means everything. Anything that is not of faith is sin. This is, this is very cut and dry to me. There are two sides. Faith and sin. And you're either on one side or the other. With the help of the Lord in the scripture, I think we'll see... Sometimes people try to not be on either side, but that in itself is a big problem. When the scripture says whatever is not of faith, it means if its origin is not from a place of faith. I'll, I'll stick with this food example here for a minute because Paul is, is saying, and, and you know, if here he, he talks about meat. That's kind of the one word that he uses throughout the chapter. But if you look at other translations sometimes and un open up your understanding a little bit, you realize he's talking about what somebody thinks is okay to eat and what somebody thinks is not okay to eat. If I think something is okay to eat and not just my opinion but if I think based in my conviction of the Holy Ghost let's start right there for a second you've got to decide are you going to let the Lord help you develop convictions or are you not we live in the day and age where you can learn anything about anything. So I'm ne I need to stop and ask us, am I leaning on my understanding? Am I going to convince myself that I've learned enough that I can justify my stance? Yes, the Lord gives us a brain and understanding and wisdom and he gives us direction but I don't see anywhere in the scripture where he has ever told a man or a woman 
I created you with everything you need to know, so you go figure out what's right and wrong. And hopefully you get it right. Because if you don't, that's sin. So hopefully you get it No, the Lord is our help. The Spirit of God helps us. With everything that we let Him help, He helps us. This is why, among many, many reasons, this is why you need the Holy Ghost. You don't just need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. You need the Holy Ghost to help you to, de to decide what's right to eat. Or what is okay to eat. You need the Holy Ghost to help you decide what you can wear. And what you can't wear. What you should and shouldn't. You need the Holy Ghost for those things. Amen? So if I... Now, now you understand what I mean when I say if I think it's okay to eat this. It's not just, well, Brother Hart ate some and he didn't get struck by lightning, so I think it's okay to eat some. No, it's what has the Lord dealt with me about? What has he shown me? What feeling is he giving me? If he's giving me a feeling in one direction, I need to pay attention to that. I need to let the, the Lord develop that in my life as a conviction. This is why. Because if I observe Brother Hart's daily routine, and I say, well, that's, that's what he's doing, but I think the Lord ha has me on this other routine. If, if, I, if I get in that position... But I say, I don't think I'm sinning by not doing the thing that he's doing. And the Lord has let me know, you know, he's still with me. He still talks to me and leads me and guides me. And I, I feel a witness of his spirit throughout my day. Then am I going to judge myself on this or am I going to judge myself on him? If I'm judging myself on him, this other word, doubt, comes into play. I'll just be honest with you, real honest, as honest as I can be tonight. We try to base our life, oftentimes, and our decisions on other people. And I'm not saying, like, you want to be as good as or keep up with them or whatever. No, you, you, you think, we think there's safety in a community. We think the, the group is probably correct so let me try to live like the group let me try to follow the majority or even the majority of the christian world and hope that we're all moving in the right direction together we have to have the holy ghost to help us If, it, if the Holy Ghost tomorrow started dealing with me about something that I know nobody else in this congregation does or doesn't do, whatever he's dealing with me about, I could sit there and probably spend a good three or four weeks 
in prayer, going back and forth with the Lord. Lord, but nobody else does this. Nobody else is doing that. I've got to have faith in the Lord, faith in the Holy Ghost, faith in the conviction that he would give me. Faith. Faith is, in this, in this verse, the Greek word faith, and it's mentioned there twice, because he eateth not of faith, and whatsoever it is not of faith is sin. The Greek word means persuasion or conviction, especially concerning things lawful for a Christian. Persuasion or conviction. You, have you ever heard the, the, the phrase, oh, that's, that's a man of strong convictions, or that's a woman of strong convictions, a person with convictions? Think about that for a second, that term. What does that mean to you? If th you might even be able to think of somebody. Yeah, when I think of so-and-so, I think that's a person with strong convictions. What does it mean? It means... They do their best to live according to what they believe, right? Not, hear me, not they go around telling everybody what's right and wrong. That's different. That's not even close to what I'm talking about tonight. But if we're not careful, we think, well, they must be a person of strong convictions because they can tell everybody right from wrong. No, the person with strong convictions is the person that lives like what they believe. They, they live like it's true, like they think it's right. And this, it, it, what I'm telling you with this understanding, to say, here, I want you to stay with me. Because we use words and phrases sometimes that we don't really think about what they mean. We use, a, a lot of times we use, so-and-so is a man of faith. Or a woman of faith. What does that mean? Well, just in, I'm, I'm, in my day-to-day -day communication and my interpretation of things, I don't really think those are the same thing as a man of faith and a man of strong convictions. I think a man of faith is, oh, he believes in God and he prays. And he's got faith that God can do a lot of great things. The understanding in the scripture is there's no difference in a man of faith and a man of strong convictions. A man of faith, in a, in, in a lot of circles, as long as he does what he's supposed to do in the faith congregation, he's got expectation, well, you better preach. Or you better sing, or you better give in the offering, or you better take up a good offering, or you better do whatever a man of faith is supposed to do. And as long as you do that, you'll retain your title of man of faith. We don't care about what you do in the rest of the time. You do what's expected of a man of faith. No, again, I'm telling you, and I realize I'm repetitive. That's how much I want you to get this. A man of faith or a woman of faith is a woman or a man of strong convictions. Oh. Here's, here's what a quote-unquote 
person of faith would do. Brother Troy, God's dealing with you. I hope you're getting right. You feel that the work of God? That's him. What did I, all I did was say some words. But, you, but we would say, oh, that's a person of faith. Be, no, that's a person of boldness. But that boldness may or may not be of God. They're just not afraid to say what they think. But we, we would say, oh, wow, if I could be as spiritual as that man of faith or that woman of faith. Uh, be careful. Put it in this context. Is that a man or a woman of strong convictions? Do they live like what they think is true really is true? What they say is right is really right. The other thing, if it's not a man or woman of strong convictions, and you try to be like them, you're going to have more and more and more of this thing called doubt. And again, the scripture says, he that doubteth is damned. Because I'm sitting here the whole time. Just imagine this. I'm, not gonna, I, I, I'm gonna use the Escobar as an example. I'm not picking on you, I love you. But imagine if I'm at home eating my dinner and I'm thinking, I'm probably not even as spiritual as Brother Escobar because they're probably not eating the same thing I'm eating tonight. I'm doubting. That's me doubting. It has nothing to do with them. It's me doubting. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I would love to take the time to dissect this whole chapter, but I'm not going to do it tonight. So I'm just kind of trying to give it to you shotgun style, a little bit here and a little bit there. But right in the middle of this whole chapter, Paul says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Whether you do or don't do, whether you, it seems right or not right, let every man be fully persuaded. Here's why. With the help of God, if I'll use myself as an example, okay, not to pick on any of you now for just a minute. If I get fully persuaded in my own mind that I need to put my kids on a only bread and water diet for a year, I'm fully persuaded that that's what I'm going to do. I got this thing in my life called oversight. And we might make it a day or a week or a couple of weeks. And I'm going strong. Come on, kids, we're doing this. If you're hungry, eat bread. If you're thirsty, drink water. And that's all we're doing. Come on. You can do it. I got this thing called oversight that eventually, maybe a couple of days in, maybe a however long in, if what my conviction is is not right, the oversight can come in and say, how are things going? 
your kids are looking a little pale. And they're not, you know, themselves. Oh, I can tell you why. Because I'm a man of faith, a man of strong conviction, and I think this is what God told me to do, so we're doing it. Now, the oversight with wisdom and love will say, I appreciate that you are a man of strong conviction, but let me help you. That's a whole, I, I promise you, that what I just described is a, whole, a thousand times easier to deal with spiritually than somebody that says, well, I don't know what's right or wrong for my family. We're going to do this for a little bit. We'll try that if it doesn't work. Then we'll do this for a little bit. Try that if it doesn't work. And we can try this some and, you know, maybe let the kids pick what they want to eat for a week. And then we'll just, you know, we'll do all of these different things. Why is it a difference? Because as the oversight, all the oversight sees is, I don't know what they're doing. They might be trying something, but I have no idea. They're not living like they have any convictions. So what does the oversight do? Pray they get conviction. Teach that they need conviction. Try to live as if they could have conviction. But if it's not there, it's not there, and you can't do a thing about it. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. I know there, you get that radical spirit, and we, we think, well, that's dangerous. That's just, well, I, why? Because you know of one person that got radical and went off the deep end? How many people do you know that are just, but you don't know if there's God there or not? I'm not telling anybody to go home and do a bread and water diet, okay? But what I'm telling you is, have faith in the conviction that the Lord would give you, and then live like a man or a woman of conviction. Go back one verse, verse 22. Uh, I got to read you this. This is, this is probably the strongest statement I felt like the Lord gave me in relation to all of this. along the lines of whether you have conviction or not. Hear me. You would be better off not playing the game of pretend Christian than projecting a life one way, but then not really living with those convictions. You would be better off not playing the game of pretend Christian than projecting a life one way, but then not really living with those convictions. James chapter 1. I know I said verse 22. We might come back there. But this, I got to show you this. James chapter 1 verse 5. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. God's not going to get you in trouble for asking something of him that he wants to give you. And it shall be given him. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith. There's that word again. If it's not done in faith, it's sin. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Would you say that phrase, nothing wavering? Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Now, let's stay here in this passage for just a minute, and let's say it's wisdom that I need. That's what verse 5 said, if any of you lack wisdom. If I need wisdom, but I'm wavering, when I ask it of God, he's not going to give it to me. Why? Why would you ask for wisdom so you can know what's right to do? But if you are not solid then you can ask for wisdom and he could tell you what's right, but he knows you're not going to do it. Verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. The Bible just said if you need it, ask for it. And then it said that guy's not going to get it. So ask for it correctly, in the right state, in the right frame. Say wavereth again. This is what it means. To be at variance, that means opposition, with one's self. To be at opposition with one's self. That's what it means to waver. That is so strange. If there's anybody I should be in opposition with, it should be anybody but me. Brother Jared, I love you, but I don't love you as much as I love myself. I'm just, I'm, you know, I did. Uh, let's rewind that one. No, this is the human nature to look out for number one. But this, the scripture, is higher than human nature. It is the understanding about human nature. And it says, yes, you might think that you're looking out for number one, but there's this thing called wavering or opposition to oneself that will hinder a person. The other two words for wavering, so opposition with oneself, hesitation, and doubt. Hesitation. Stop and start. Stop and start. Maybe, maybe not. Yes, no. Yes, what is that? I'm not fully persuaded in my own mind. 
Lord, I think I need. <laughs> Is that the way that it said to ask? Uh, I, Lord, I'm not sure yet, but I, I kind of have a feeling like I might need wisdom. That's what, a, that's what a person that's wavering really sounds like to the Lord that knows. Yeah, I'll give you wisdom, but I'm also going to sit there and watch you hesitate and go back and forth. And the other word, doubt. Let me remind you again, Romans 14, 23. He that doubteth is damned. Verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The man that is at opposition with himself. The woman that's at opposition with herself. Maybe, maybe not. I think so. I'm not sure. Probably, probably not. That is the result. Instability. Okay, I didn't this I promise you this is not in my notes, so you're gonna have to take this up with the Lord. There is one thing that I would tell anybody that comes to me and asks, Elder, Pastor, what do I need to do or is there something I can do? And then you fill in the blank because it doesn't matter what it is. To help the church, to witness to somebody, to sing, to play an instrument, to be an usher. What's the one thing that I can do, what, tell me, what, how can I get started? What can I do? This is the answer across the board for everyone. The first thing is faithfulness. You have to be faithful if you want to do any of these things. Why? Because an, a double-minded man is unstable. And the last thing you or me or any of us needs is to be receiving ministry from someone who is unstable. I don't want that. I don't want to be that for you. And I don't want others to be that for you. You can imagine. I know I'm not really far off here. You can imagine... If you had allowed yourself to receive lots and lots of ministry, years and years of ministry from a person or a group of people that was unstable during that whole time. And sure, yeah, the Holy Ghost can do still do good things and overcome a lot of things, but through a long period of time, what's really being conveyed is instability. I don't want that to be a, a part of the product that I'm receiving. Stop for just a minute and realize. I'm not talking about this directly, but indirectly. 
what we're talking about is the responsibility of a person that wants to be something in the kingdom of God. You can't have it both ways. You can't be the world-renowned preacher, prayer, worshiper, but also be the double-minded, the unstable one. Go back to Romans 14. Verse 22. I'm not going to be much longer. I told you I'd love to go through this whole chapter, but I'm encouraging you, you do that yourself. Start at 14, verse 1, and watch the Lord talk to you. 22 says, Hast thou faith? Now, this is just one verse earlier than what we were reading earlier. One verse before. He's still summing up everything that he just said about your conviction, what you can do, what you should do, shouldn't do. Here he says, hast thou faith, conviction, or persuasion? Are you a man of faith? Are you a woman of faith? A person of strong conviction? Have it to thyself before God. Let, oh, let, let, me, let me rephrase that. Are you a man of strong conviction? Good. Don't get up and tell all your convictions before the congregation. Have it to thyself before God. Imagine what this would do to a home if the home said, We've got, we're going to start following these convictions. And we're not doing it so we can tell other people. We're not doing it so we can go to Elder or Brother Hart or somebody else in the congregation and say, look at what our family's doing. No. We're having this to ourselves before God. Faith. Conviction. Persuasion. And here's what it says. I love, this, I love this passage right here. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. You can have what you're going to have and you can either be miserable with it or you can be happy with it. What kind of witness is it? What kind of testimony is it when somebody goes around saying, oh, I read my Bible every day. I don't even drink my coffee until I've read three hours. Yep, that's me. I know I miss a lot of stuff. I don't get to go to a lot of the fellowship stuff because I, I pray three hours before bedtime every night. So, and I, you know, I got to get up extra early for my three hours before coffee, so I got to go to bed extra early. So that actually ends up being like 15, 16 hours of my day is reading and then reaping. 
What is that? That's not a witness. That's not a testimony. That's a miserable person. That why do you think, why do you think Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisees when you're fasting. Don't come in here, oh, I haven't had anything to eat four days, but God is really working on me and I feel amazing. No, he told him, wash your hands, wash your face. If I can put it this way, put on a smile and don't tell anybody. Have faith to thyself before God. This is the way that the Good News Translation puts that verse. Happy are those who do not feel guilty when they do something they judge is right. We need the Lord to help us. I got to say it again, what I said at the beginning. This is why you need the Holy Ghost. If the, Ho if the Holy Ghost has told me something is right, I need to rejoice in it while I'm partaking in it. And if he's told me something is wrong, I need to rejoice while I'm not partaking in it. Happy. Happy. Everybody say happy. happy. That does not sound like a King James Version word to me, but it's right there, KJV. Happy. Happy is that man that can live according to his convictions and not judge himself like he's doing the wrong thing. I, I, so I either need, I need the Lord to do one of two things. If I'm not happy, I need him to do one of two things. I need to either have him give me this with faith, in the conviction and belief, like, oh yeah, that is right, God, and I'm going to rejoice in it. Or I need to have him change. I need to change. You know, the verse in, also in this passage, in this chapter, it says, let not your good be evil spoken of. That, can, that really can be interpreted many different ways. If it's my good, but I, again, I'm like that one that's limping along spiritually, then other people are going to say, that's not good. That's not strength. That's not joy. That's not love. What's happening? I'm letting my good be evil spoken of. And then the other flip side of it is, I can't go around bad-mouthing my own convictions. That's not joy. That's not love. That's not peace. Oh, yeah, I am one of those that doesn't do that. Yep, I think that is me. I remember a song that I sang in my Christian school 
second grade-ish, first grade, second grade, third grade. I don't remember the whole song. I probably could if I stopped to think about it. But I remember this part. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me now sing that at about 7.30 in the morning on a Thursday morning in chapel when you didn't get the lunch pack that you wanted to have packed. Or you already know you got to have detention later that day. Or whatever it is. That, I'm just giving you a little insight to, to, to my upbringing there. But the song, if I can't sing that song, something is wrong. He has made me glad. He's made me happy. Happy. Somebody say happy. He has made me happy. Just a couple more verses. Verse 14. Romans 14 and 14. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Paul is talking here about himself. These are my convictions, brothers and sisters. My conviction is such that there's nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. In other words, I can't speak for you. Especially if you're sitting there running your own mouth for yourself. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean that to sound harsh. But I can't, I can't get up here and say, I'm right with this, this is okay, I'm good with this, this is good, the Lord's doing this for me, He showed me I can do this, and I'm fine with that. And the whole time, this person back there in the, on the road going, nope, mm -mm, nope, that's not me, nope, not me, nope, I can't do that. I'm not telling you that I, my convictions override yours, or that I even have the ability to change yours. What I'm saying is, you get fully persuaded, I get fully persuaded, and we let the church roll on. Verse 19. This is my last verse I'm going to read. This is the phrase buried right in the middle of all this again. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith we may edify one another. And this is the introvert's problem. I say that half-jokingly. Because I, as an introvert, I love the first part of this. Follow after the things that make for peace. Great. I don't get along with anybody. I'm just not going to talk to anybody. We'll have peace. I can do that. No. That's only the first part. Follow after things wherewith one may edify another. Ah, oh, I can't edify somebody else from my reclusive state. 
I can't follow after the things that... What does it mean to edify another? To build them up. To, to strengthen them. I can't strengthen and edify other people from my position of stand off, stay away, don't come near me. So, two instructions here. Now that I've got my convictions... Now that I know what the Holy Ghost has told me, do and don't do. Good. You got that settled? Let every man be fully persuaded. Now, follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith you can edify other people. Oh, you thought I was done saying why you needed the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost to be able to edify other people. I know I do. Maybe you're more spiritual in that realm than I am. But I, sometimes I need the Holy Ghost to yank me up out of my chair, go put me right here, and say, look that person in the eye, smile at them, shake their hand, and tell them you love them. I hope that's not too honest for you as your elder. I need the Holy Ghost to help me with these things. I know the alternative. What if I don't want to do that, elder? What if I don't really mean it? What if I... Here, I, I'm not trying to be, you know, pick on anybody... What if I just don't like talking to people? Or in particular, that person? I'm glad we asked. If any of you need wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. God, I don't know how I'm supposed to look that person in the eye and smile. There you go. I don't know how. That's called ask it, lacking wisdom. So you ask for it. I'm telling you what a mature Christian does on the regular. Because I, I, I'm trying to be kind and friendly, and I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. But the alternative to all of these things that we're talking about tonight is either... Stay away from everybody. Withdraw yourself. Just stop coming to church. Just stop going to fellowships. Or get here late enough and leave early enough that you're not going to have to deal with other people. That's one alternative. The other alternative is let the Lord change us. Stand with me. You know, you know when you do and don't have peace, okay? You don't need me to tell you. But even more specifically than that, you know the situations in which you do and do not have peace. You know the relationships where there is and where there is not. Peace there. 
I heard it said this way one time. You know you've forgiven somebody when you can pray for them that the Lord blesses them and you really mean it. If you can't do that, you need, we need to work on that. I, ha- I was in a season of my life one time. This is the last thing I'm going to say. I was in a season of my life where I had peace with all men except one. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which, that's in my verses there, but I'm not going to read it tonight, without which no man since shall see the Lord. But I had peace with all men except this one. And it was going on a few weeks. I'm being honest with you. It was going on a few weeks, maybe even a couple of months. You know what? I kept going to church. Kept doing my responsibilities. Kept doing what was asked of me. And then it's like this one tiny little voice in the back of my head saying, but what about this situation? But what about this one area where you know there's not peace? I don't want to deal with that, okay? Lord, I got things I got to do. We'll deal with that some other time. Well, okay, but just... If the Lord would call me this, Brother Caleb, I don't think he would call me that. Maybe when he's that far away from me. Brother Caleb, just know that until that is resolved, it's unresolved. It's not like, you know, a a present that you peeked at, but you haven't unwrapped it. No, it's either resolved or it's unresolved. And I'm thinking, I know it's unresolved. I know it's unresolved. I don't want to resolve it. I'm good. I can keep going this way. And then one day, I think it was after a church service, I had to go by Walmart. And the Lord had not stopped talking to me about this unresolved thing. And I just find my nice little parking spot. And I see that person's truck in the next parking spot. And I thought, okay, I guess we're going to deal with this. I thought, I'm probably going to see this person before this transaction is done. And Lord, you know, I haven't really truly been able to look them in the eye or shake their hand or love them or pray for them or any of those things that I know I'm supposed to do. I need your help. I need you. You clearly put him here and me here and and ordered all of this. So I need your help. I don't want I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> Maybe I can make it in and out without actually having to deal with it. That's kind of my attitude as I'm shutting the door and I have to open my eyes, look up. And he's coming out of the store as I'm walking in the store. Down the same lane that I'm parked on. That I'm walking up. And I, you know, there was no big loving embrace or whatever. But the, the issue got resolved in my spirit. Because I was able to look him in the eye. Shake his hand. Probably gave him a hug. And then I went and bought the diapers or whatever it is I was there for. But what happened was 
that which I was willing to leave unresolved, even with the reminders of the Holy Ghost, this is unresolved, I finally said, okay, Lord, we'll deal with it. Lord, I need your help, but we'll deal with it. And now I'm able, just again through the help and grace of the Lord, to say there, what was there before is not there now. I can call that person's name in prayer. I can pray blessing over them and their family. I can mean all of those things where one day I couldn't. I'm, fo I'm trying to follow peace. I'm trying to edify one another. I, I didn't, why? Because before this, I was doing like it said before. Pretend Christian. I know that that's a harsh term and it sounds kind of mean, but you've been around this as long as I have and some of us have 20 and 30 years, and you know when something's not right. <laughs> and you can go on incorrectly, but it doesn't take long to realize, oh, this is just pretend now. Until the Lord corrects this, until he brings correction, this is not true. Why? Because we are people with strong convictions. We're men of faith. We're women of faith. At least we claim to be. Would you pray with me, Lord? God, I thank you for dealing with us, speaking to us. I thank you for teaching us convictions, Lord. I thank you for speaking them into our spirits, God. I know that every person here doesn't have the same list, God, but I thank you for that which you have spoken to each one. I thank you for the path that you have each one of us on, God, to walk in a place of conviction, really to walk in a place of faith, God. As the scripture said, that which is of faith. God, I want my life to be one of faith. I want my decisions to be decisions of faith, Lord. Let, them, let their origin be from a place of faith, Lord. A place of understanding of who you are, Jesus. What you want from me. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray it right now. Your faith, Father. Your faith. Come on, make that your prayer here. Lord, give me your faith. God, I want the faith of the Son of God. Not my own faith, Lord. Not my own religion. Not my own list of right and wrong, God. But I want that which comes from you that which is ordained by you and ordered by you. Help me tonight, Father, I pray. God, I want to examine myself from a place of honesty, Lord, and know that which is right and that which is true. God, any areas that you illuminate into my spirit, into my mind, God, I pray help me resolve them through your grace. Help me resolve them through your mercies, O oh God. 
In the name of Jesus, come on. I need you to pray right now. The Holy Ghost is wanting to heal some people. The Lord is wanting to work in some people right now. Would you just speak it out? Come on. Speak it out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want to walk in your statutes, Father. I want to walk in your ways, O oh God. Minister love, I pray. Minister wholeness, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I want your attitudes to be my attitudes. I want your thoughts to be my thoughts, Lord. God, I want your feelings to be my feelings, Lord. Your direction, Lord, to set my course and my path. Lord, that which displeases you, God, I don't want to just be okay with it. Lord, I don't want to just turn away from it, God, and turn a blind eye to it, but to truly repent, Lord, and to turn, Lord, to have a change of direction and a change of mind. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'll end, I'll end this with a little testimony. To me, it's a testimony. I had somebody after church on, on Sunday just say, Pastor, I've got a question for you. Somebody gave me one of these. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's part of my testimony. Somebody gave me one of these, and I'm not sure if I feel like it's good or bad, right or wrong. And I said, since you asked, I wouldn't have that in my house. And the person said, thank you, that's what I needed to know. That's a testimony. Amen. We want to be like the Lord, amen. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.